Hello, Minneapolis. Welcome to the Be Validation Podcast. I am AJ Awed. As you know, I got my colleagues here with me from Be Validation. Uh, they're going to introduce themselves. But really, before we really get into this podcast, really get into the heart and the meat of what we're going to be really offering and, and, and the perspective that you'll be able to really get from Be Validation in this podcast. Um, Be Validation is a C4. This podcast is independent of the C4. Um, hopefully, people understand that our goal is ultimately to empower communities of color, but build a safe space for communities of color, right? And communities of color, for us, uh, oftentimes have been having too many people speaking on their behalfs and not really leading the conversation when it comes to the issues that matter to them, right? So the genesis and you know the expectation that you should really have from B validation is uh, this is the place that we're going to really be talking about what we're doing on the C4 level. This is the place for us just to casually conversate and update outside of the, the, the official C4 capacity and the operation and the work that we're doing there, the community work that's involved in endorsing many of the candidates that we'll be talking about, uh, but really trying to set the framework and really create that you know, pipeline for black and brown candidates to really get that notice, right? And hopefully be able to have a C4 that is dedicated to really empowering their interests. But before I talk a little bit about myself and, you know, you know, obviously where people remember me from, you know, I love to have, you know, Ryan and Jordan speak on, you know, um, their past and hopefully uh, what brought them to be validation. How does that sound? That sounds good. Then you guys yeah. are just looking at me like, uh. Sure. <laughs> yeah. No, go ahead. Go ahead. So, my name is Ryan Vasquez. I was the field director on AJ's campaign for mayor, which yes. is how AJ, Jordan, and I came to meet each other, um, but in this group, I'm the newest minted Minnesotan. Yeah. Um, I moved here about like six weeks ago. Um, I mean, basically, for the reasons of that, on the race, um, my partner and I fell in love with the city um, and decided that we'd like to live here. Um, and then what I hope to bring to the table is just the values that have kind of led me through my career as a national political field operative. Um, I think that really how I relate to the mission and the values of B Validation are that I've run BIPOC candidates in the past, mm. um, even before AJ's race. Um, and I myself, as a Latino, understand um, the context of campaigning against what I would say are institutionalized white cultures in our power structure, right? And often BIPOC candidates are from outside of that structure, outside of power. Often they're, you know, referred to as the insurgent candidates, right, right that are running, usually happen to also be BIPOC candidates, right? And you can't help but to notice that that has to do with the fact that uh, power within the communities that source the candidates are gatekept, right? And that was something that I saw play out on AJ's race. So when AJ told me that he was planning on launching a political organization that directly addressed the disparity between validation, which is in the name, and the validation that you know black and brown candidates are missing, it was something that I wanted to do because it, I've seen that issue up front my entire career. Yeah. Right. Um, so it was something that like from my side as an operative, I think AJ experienced it on the race, but from my side as an operative, um, I, I know that the problem exists, yeah. but that's really why I'm here. So I'm excited to share my insight, uh, you know, at least the lessons that I learned on AJ's race, as well as just the lessons that I think I've carried with me campaigning in other parts of the country, yeah. um, specifically for black and brown candidates 
historically against white power structures, right? right. So it just kind of fits the bill here. Yeah. And, and I have to really do that. I mean, if it wasn't for, you know, really Ryan's expertise, right? I think, you know, transversing, you know, the, 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 the whole landscape in the city uh, uh, wouldn't have been that, you know, that, I would say, positive for me, right? Because I think as I had a lot of epiphanies, as we'll probably talk about, right, uh, your insight from all the work that you did in the East Coast and in Jersey really allowed me to see that really this is just not, you know, an isolated incident, right? And really give me that eye-opening moment to say there, there really has to be a fix here, right, outside of just, you know, being able to door knock and just, you know, um, hopefully get people to trust that, you know, I'm a viable candidate, right? Um, but, you know, Jordan, uh, how did, I mean, obviously, Jordan also, I met at the campaign, but I'll let him talk about um, uh, how he got involved. It would be validation. Yeah, my name's Jordan Duncan. Uh, I was the deputy field director on AJ's campaign 2021. So that's where I met AJ. Uh, met Ryan, obviously, there as well. I'm originally from Oregon. So yeah. uh, I have a lot of my political experience from working in a completely different uh, climate, you know. Um, as, as it relates to be validation, uh, a lot of the things that we're going to be talking about are representation of BIPOC voices and, and representation of the values of those communities. And that's something that, in my experience in Oregon, I didn't really have, I wasn't really exposed to that kind of thing because mm. Oregon just has a relatively low BIPOC uh, population. So when I came to Minnesota in 2019 to work with a nonprofit, um, it really opened my eyes to how a lot of those values have have just largely not been part of the conversation. And I love that in the past few years, a lot of those conversations have been expanded and we're having more of them. But I've definitely gotten the feeling, especially from living in Minneapolis through the George Floyd times and everything we've experienced the past few years, I've definitely gotten the, the, the feeling and, and just kind of the vibe that we have these conversations and we don't know where to go with the next step. Mm -hmm. We don't know what goes beyond having that conversation. Like right. I, I've kind of gotten tired of hearing the phrase, let's have a conversation about this. Let's start a conversation about race because I feel like that's great. We're having that conversation, but, right. but people don't know what comes next and right. people are afraid to be the, to, to take the next step or they're afraid to, to move beyond that conversation and actually move into any action, any, anything that, that comes after that. Um, so I was really excited when we, we started talking about the possibilities of actually involving communities in a very real way in helping to address these issues. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, it's been really great uh, trying to develop this idea. And, and I, I love that idea about what we're doing here. Yeah, I mean, and, and, I mean you have past experience also working in, in, in campaigning and stuff of that sort as well. Can you tell yeah. people about that? Yeah, yeah. So in Oregon, I worked on the governor's campaign in 2018. I've yeah. worked on a couple ballot measures there as well. Um, and in Minnesota, I worked for a nonprofit doing uh, some volunteer organizing. So I love working with volunteers and voters both, like the very similar groups and similar types of organizing. Um, when you're working in any kind of a retail space, you right. have a really like transactional nature to the work you're doing, you know? Everyone is coming to you and talking to you about an exchange of money and business that they want to do. But when you're talking to volunteers or you're talking to voters, you're talking to people that can literally be doing anything else with their time yeah. and they're choosing to be involved in this way. And I really love that. And yeah. That's that it just really speaks to the values that they have are so front and center in the decisions that they're making and right. where they're actually going with 
with the points they're making, with the actions that they're taking. And that's really been one of my, my motivating, uh, my goals and my drives is that I love working with people that are actually passionate about what they're doing. Right, right. I mean, yeah. and, and honestly, for, for, you know, for me, hopefully people will get, you know, a, a, a I would say, uncurtailed and I would say direct um, um, uh, dialogue and, and perspective from us, right? I think that's really one of the biggest things that I think we took away together, you know, during the campaign from 2020 and my mayoral election um, was, you know, how performative things really are, you know? And, you know, for me at least, uh, how sustainable is that, you know, for a city that's rapidly diversifying year after year, right, with a nation that's, you know, really, you know, going to see a shift in demographics in the coming decades, right? How can performative, you know, politics really serve the interests really of those communities, right? And, you know, when are we going to see those interests really align, you know? Um, but, you know, yeah, go ahead, uh, Ryan. Yeah, totally. So to, to, like, double down on that, to chase after that point, right? I think that one of the biggest lessons of the campaign that is a lesson that I've kind of carried with me and then on a personal level just spending like almost every day with you on the campaign trail right watching this candidate who you see and whose platform you believe in which is why you linked up and applied for the job right and why you're there why you've picked up and you've come now you see this candidate who you believe in and you're observing them in a certain way and you're watching them go through this transformation where they realize, and here's what it is, here's the realization, we haven't spoken about this right. in, in these terms yet, right? So correct me if I'm wrong, but it's the realization that all politics for all candidates is an uphill battle. Right. But it's a different hill for BIPOC candidates because the arena Absolutely. is just, there's no ownership of the arena. Yeah. So you're always a foreigner. Yeah. And for me, you know, when you're raised in America, especially as an immigrant, right, um, you know, and you, 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 you fully embrace the notion, right, that you're American, right, um, you never really fathom that when you're campaigning on the door in a post, you know, 2020 world, right, that those variables still exist, right? Especially for the millennial generation, right? And obviously, you know, I know racism exists, right? We know that, you know, white supremacy exists, et cetera. We know the institutional, you know, uh, factors, et cetera, right? But it's different when you believe those things don't exist, right? And for me, my whole life I was growing up saying this, the real ideals of this country are really real. I think. We, you, had, you had mentioned that you know, one of the big things that you come up against is that it's, it's harder to, con to, to convince people that you're the one to take this on as a black man, right? But on the other side of that conversation, there were multiple candidates running on the exact opposite side of the spectrum saying, uh, we need to pass number two. You had to convince people that not only were you responsible as a black man and the candidate that could safely guide them through this process, right. but you were also trying to convince the far left portions of the political spectrum. That I was black enough. That you were black enough. Right. Exactly. That's right. a great way to put it. <laughs> which, is, which is really the dilemma and why, if, if you guys, I'm, I'm going to try to continue to remind you of why this whole you know, podcast exists and the C4 exists, is the reason why it was created, right? I mean, the takeaway for me was honestly being put in between two extremes, right? You know, I remember telling you guys in the, you know, in the campaign coming up with the terms of like either is tokenization or radicalization for you as a, you know, 
you know, black man that's binary progressive. Is it's the binary that's being set up, right? And, and I refuse to actually participate in that during the campaign, right? And that is really, I think, something everybody should understand. And behind the politics, right, what motivates candidates, right? And I think when we're talking about black leadership specifically, right, when we're talking about the, 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 the prevalence of co-optation, right, of black leaders, right, you know, I think the next generation, whether it's my generation right now that's going to continue to run for election or the generation after, right, uh, I think there's going to be a clear understanding that we're not going to compromise on principles. It's not you tell us what we want for our communities or how our communities want these things. We already know what our communities want, right? That's why I'm not going to take a knee on question two because some of my far left allies who are socialists just like me are promoting it, right? That's not principled. In fact, that's a betrayal of the leftist cause, right? That's a betrayal of the communities that you're really serving. And one of the shocking things if we're talking about how politics gets played, because B validation, as people are going to come to probably find out, is not going to play these games. Mm -hmm. The media was the biggest factor in why people did not even know the truth, right? The, the whole thing that was being created in the media waves was boogie crazy leftists, right, want to abolish the police. And, you know, don't get me wrong, for me at least, there is something that needs to be abolished. I mean, we need to rethink the whole framework of policing in this city, right? Mm -hmm. I think we need to really look at the charter. I think we need to completely overhaul the police union contract, right? These things need to be abolished and completely done away with to be redone, right? But in some point in 2020, you know, with the uprising, right, I think some very, very powerful people, <laughs> very, very, I would say, self-serving people, right, took the opportunity when black people can really have got not only, you know, I would say, you know, validation, but right, reconciliation, right? Reconciliation in a system that was created without their consent, right? And if people, you know, recognize, right, that's really what black people are asking for, right? It gets lost in the conversation when everyone is tokenizing black cause to get elected, right? Mm -hmm. But when black people are really just being are asking to, to really have their interests met as their interests, right? But other interests are prioritized or shape-shifted to be their interests. Are we really serving BIPOC communities as progressive DFLers, as progressive leftists in the city of Minneapolis? I would tell you, heck no, right? Yeah. And, you know, how do you change that narrative, right? I think the only way you can change that narrative, if we're honest with ourselves, is by doing the work ourselves, right? And B Validation is here to do that, right? I mean, you know, for, for at least the black community, this is your safe space, right? If, you know, for me, you know, I, I think, you know, we need to be talking about our candidates. I think, you know, there's going to be a lot of, obviously, races that are, are, are very heated right now in this election cycle. CD5 is, is probably top of mind, right? Uh, and, you know, before, you know, really going down the wedge hole, there's probably an episode in that for itself, right? I, I foresee that. Um, where, where do we stand? Are we shaping that conversation, right? Are we visible? in that conversation. When we're talking about the, you know, the races that deal with issues like safety, are we really leading that conversation, right? And, you know, what makes matters worse as, you know, things continue, right? Now we're back to the status quo. And we have no clear sight 
of how we're going to bridge these differences, right? How we're going to deal with safety, right? How we're going to actually make this community more, right, uh, 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 aligned, right, and in sync, right? How are we going to bridge these gaps, right? Yet the establishment are going to do what? And watch it because we're going to remind you of it tokenize or radicalize. And that is the game plan for any black candidate in Minneapolis, the Twin Cities, or at least Minnesota as I know it, right? To really sum up, I would say, because we keep talking about this epiphany. Well, AJ, what's the epiphany, right? What is, like, please, if you could, right, for the viewers, because I think we've had the conversation so many times. We had it the moment that the election ended, and we had it ongoing and we still have it today right? right but i'm gonna ask you what is the epiphany what is the greatest lesson of the race and how has it manifested into the mission of why we're here yeah so uh, to me the, the epiphany is you know black validation is is really the the fuel that's really fueling all of our progressive allies in their in their tickets to, to re-election, right? That's just a clear reality for many of our Democrats and our progressives. Uh, and it's not just black validation, generally speaking, BIPOC validation, right? Uh, but centrally black validation as we related to 2020, right? Um, and for me, the biggest takeaway in that epiphany that I was talking about is if we're the center of conversation, if our issues are the issues for elections, that means we have capacity in this city. I mean, I think the census, you know, also shows, you know, in terms of inherent capacity to be able to shape yeah. politics, right? right. Um, we're, not, we're not insignificant in voter count, especially right. in the metro area, right? right. Um, and I think, you know, for the establishment of the DFL, and, and people know me, I ran for Ward 6, and as an independent, you know, didn't really make a bid in the DFL primary, you know, in, in the mayoral election. I am a Democrat. I'm a Democratic Socialist, right? I'm a progressive, right? right? Uh, I don't really care too much for party politics because I think that's the problem with our country, right? But outside of that, you know, I mean, I think, you know, black and brown communities in Minneapolis, the Twin Cities, should be in the driver's seat of their own future, right? on their issues, right, and in terms of their validations, right? And I think um, we don't have that. That's just clear. To me, what I saw, and after I spoke to a lot of other, you know, former candidates in the BIPOC community, specifically in the black community, right, um, it's clear. There is a sense of constraints, right, and mobility for black candidates, right, to really independently campaign for their interests and be able to campaign in a nuanced way, right, that, that escapes the tokenization or radicalization factors of whether it's the establishment or the left, right? Um, and for me, at least, I think that is centered on organizing, getting involved in our own spaces and creating our own spaces. I mean, right now, I'm a Somali-American, right? I'm a black man, but I'm also a Somali black man, right? And my community is very active politically, right? right. This is where it matters, right, is to say we're not going to let, you know, 
our community become tokenized, right? right? Because we have this, you know, this, 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 you know, I would say inherent nature to be politically active. We just don't want to be, you know, just, you know, sitting around and not feel part of America. I mean, if you're American, you should feel like it. No, I mean, you should feel it in the sense of the ownership in your politics, right? And the, the Somali community, you know, as a member of the black community, have that energy. And, you know, that's many of my supporters, many of my, you know, funders, right? And, you know, I'm confident, you know, that a, 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 a space for black people, BIPOC people at large, right, to be able to fundle in their money, to empower their candidates, is going to make the biggest impact in terms of ownership, in terms of lifting the constraints on black candidates to be free on what their interests are and what they're campaigning for. Leadership, for me at least, doesn't mean, you know, being the smartest person in the room, right? Doesn't necessarily mean the richest person in the room, right? It means the person with the attributes that actually is gonna stand up for everyone in the room, right? And I don't see that from, you know, how we campaign. I don't see that for how real independent black leadership can emerge, right? right? Without there being a space for black communities to say, hey, this is how our black leadership moves, right? Yeah. This is what we want from our black leadership. This is our interests as the black community, as the black leadership, right? Um, and we don't have that. I mean, we lost that since pretty much, you know, the assassination of, you know, the founding of the civil rights movement, right? We don't really have a class of black leadership in this country that really is the authority on the interest for black people, right? And as white folks make the decisions on who's going to be in power, at least for the short term, right? Because the country is diversifying, right? This is when this space is very important. And if white folks are going to be the ones that are going to honor me with being the one that leads the city, because I can't do it independent of just white folks, right? Because I have to cater to, you know, white fragility and make sure I have to put things in the context of white folks, then I'm gonna spend my time as a C4 reshaping the conversation and making folks understand what black leadership really looks like. And it doesn't look like, you know, someone that is willing to say, you know, yes on question two, right? Not necessarily, right? It doesn't mean that, you know, it's someone that, you know, well, we won't go down that route. <laughs> Another episode, folks. <laughs> I want to bring it back home to the mission and to the organization and, and why we're here and really just ask you, how does all of this really become relevant to the, the, the foundational goals of the organization? And what is it going to look like? Right. What are people going to like? What should voters and the viewers out there and the people involved really look forward to from this podcast and also I think from the organization as a whole, right, right. as like on the C4 side, you know, even though this is independent and really more of like a, a neutral like media outlet, right? right, of course in name and branding it's tied into the C4 that we just launched last week, right, so how is, how is at the very least, you know, the mission tied in, what are, what should people look for from the Be Validation brand? really as this new political entity on the block who is, you know, 
hopefully coming to an election near you, right? Right, right. Hopefully coming to an election. I mean, really put it, we're here to back real and ready candidates that are black and brown, right? Credible candidates from our communities and their allies, right? So, I mean, we're here to really cut the BS, right, and start being interest-focused and making sure our communities really have a space for that, a space that they can really call home, right? Um, and in the political world, from my experience running this last election and just being exposed to the, the political landscape here in the city of Minneapolis, I mean, I think it's way overdue that, you know, the black community at large, right, had a, a C4 that they owned, right? And that, that really was centered on their interests and their interests above all, right? Uh, for some reason, I think there's, it's become standard almost in the progressive left circle where, you know, BIPOC and, and in terms of like, uh, uh, you know, leadership or inherent value and ownership of the conversation, right? Um, I'm starting to see less and less black men. And that to right. me is problematic, right? Yeah, for um, sure. But, you know, this is the space for that again, right? And I think, you know, black men need to really recognize as well, right? That, you know, we really can't just sit on the sidelines with all the capacity that we have as a community at large, right? Um, and not shape the conversation, right? And not have a place that you can be empowered from. And ultimately the C4, is looking to empower black and brown candidates and allies that are supporting black and brown causes, right? We're talking right. about systematic issues, we're talking about radical change on policies, right? Whether it be economical, right, or otherwise, right? I mean, and I think that is, is, is ultimately the goal here, right, is to get credible candidates emerging in politics rather than performative progressives or candidates that oftentimes are really already bought and paid for by either side of the binary establishments, right? And I don't care for any of this, of the establishment. And I think when you look at black and brown communities politics, they don't care for the establishment's, you know, you know, drama neither, right? Yeah. And, and when we're talking about that, let's be also very, very clear, right? I mean, you said something earlier, you know, in Oregon, it's a lot of, just white folks, right? There's not that many black folks there, and that means it's just white folks fighting over things, right? And that's what the city of Minneapolis has, and it has had that for a very, very long time, where there's white folks really just fighting on which one is the really, the, 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 the ideology that's leading, right? Whether it's just a more conservative, moderate establishment that are DFL and progressive, or whether it's our very far left you know, and I would say some of my allies in the socialist movement, right? But ultimately it's white folks on both of those sides and black and brown communities are stuck in the middle of that, right? As we try to find a space for us in the political discourse, right? And I think it's very, very important that the black community, the brown community recognizes that there is no safe space if it isn't created by you, right? right. There is just no safe space if it isn't created by you. And, you know, that's the experiment, um, but um, I'm very fortunate to say that, you know, I'm not gonna stop, right? This is what we're yeah. going to be doing, totally. right? I mean, and, and for all the nearly 30,000 voters and supporters, I think that resonate with the type of leadership that I introduced to the city of Minneapolis, I think um, we'll be able to be well-equipped to really change the narrative 
on who's really representing our communities and who's really valid. Who's really valid, you know? Right. I don't. Well, I think that that's a podcast. The only thing that's <laughs> left to do is to thank them for watching and sign it off, AJ. Well, well, just well, real. Jordan has just uh, just yet. real quick, can can you give us an idea of what to expect in the in the coming weeks and months from this podcast specifically? We went over the validation as a whole, yeah. But yeah. Uh, obviously, we're not going to spend every episode talking about uh, the the genesis of our <laughs> no. organization. Yeah, yeah. No, no, so. no. But yes, definitely, definitely. Um, so first and foremost, I mean, the thing that I think you know, the audience. And, and I would say regular supporters of the movement, right? Um, especially for the liberation of black, you know, and BIPOC uh, communities in terms of ownership in their spaces, um, uh, their support, right? I think, I think it's very critical that people share this, right? I think people really are aware of the conversations that are going to start coming out and the type of leadership that we are going to promote and that are going to start emerging, right? Um, and, and really seeing those same faces on this podcast, right? So we're going to be engaging, hopefully, you know, candidates running for office, right? Um, and we're going to be able to hold them accountable here on this, you know, on this stage here, right? Um, but also, we're going to be knocking doors and taking names, right? We're going to hopefully, you know, through this podcast, really be shining a light on, you know, how important the work is, right, on the candidates that we're supporting, right, uh, the issues that we're trying to promote. And hopefully, you know, I think, you know, through that micro, uh, that, that microphone, right, uh, which is ideally what this is supposed to be for the city of Minneapolis, the state of Minnesota, the United States at large, the world, because the podcast is just the podcast and it's just mm -hmm. going to be open to the whole world, right? Um, but in terms of the C4, I mean, if, if you are a black and brown candidate that, you know, feels like their leadership is being, you know, undermined, undervalued, um, and, 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 and really need support, right, in terms of who's going to back you, please fill out, let's see this, you know, you, 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 uh, fill out the application, you know, reach out to us, go through the endorsement process, because when we endorse a candidate, I mean, that candidate is black validated. And that means we're gonna put everything that we have as a C4 behind that person, right? And ultimately, this is going to be the place that they don't need to run to, you know, the DFL or, you know, another C4, right? Th to be able to do that. I think uh, we're excited. Yeah. We're excited. We gotta plug our website and our socials too. Yes, bevalid.org. You know, be validation or be dash validation on all of our social media. Or should be underscore. It's be underscore validation. Yes. On Instagram and Twitter. Yeah. And then it is Facebook just at like be validation. Be right? dash validation. Dash hyphen. hyphen validation, yes. right? Uh, but you'll probably see it. Um, and, and honestly, I, I do want to leave one message. And we will link them in the descriptions of everything. So yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> we are not good at this. By the way, like, <laughs> we're going to be doing really good work evaluating candidates uh, and campaigning for candidates that yeah, we really I, are supporting. Um, I, I, hope, I hope you don't evaluate our we are political not podcasters. Right. based um, on the quality of our yeah, podcast. Yeah. I, think, I think a full disclaimer should be said in the beginning. 
We are not podcasters. Right. We are here to really, you know, bring, you know, the community into the discussions that we're having at, 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 the, at the C4, at, at, at B Validation, um, and hopefully really to, to be an eye, you know, into the work. But really, I mean, we're just going right, to be winging right, it, right, you know, right. so please do not. The true disclaimer is that A, none of us are running for anything, and B, none of us really know anything. And we're just. We're like, that is very much true. We just, we're just some guys who had some experiences. Right. Uh, but the work well, that we're doing, I think, is going to be really important. Right. And if this can be a window into that work, yeah. then I think that it does everyone's time justice. Yeah. yeah. Well, thanks a lot for watching uh, the Be Validation podcast, everybody. We will come at you next week with another episode and should have another episode weekly after that. So yes. we will see you soon. Yes, and stay, look forward to those candidates. They'll be coming up soon. Bye, guys. Have a good one.